Welcome to Spirits Podcast, Episode 70, Your Urban Legends, Part 7. Amanda just informed me that she didn't remember recording this episode, so it's going to be a doozy. <laughs> yeah, no, I I had the title written down because that's what my spreadsheet told me was happening, mm-hmm. and I just had to double check with you because I wasn't quite sure. <laughs> You're like, did we record this? And I was like, yes, yes, we did. <laughs> I just came back from an epic two-week trip, uh, half work, half vacation, and while the vacation part was very fun, I've also been away for two weeks, and I don't know what my life is. I, don't, I came back, and I was like, whose house is this? So, you know, that's what's happening with me you were gone for two weeks and i didn't know what my life was anymore oh babe that's so nice of you i miss you i missed you too but you know what kept me company while i was over in amsterdam and brussels was it our wonderful wonderful patrons it was actually our wonderful wonderful sponsor talus clothing that makes gorgeous shirts shirts that are inspired by astrology and divination and psychic protection we're going to tell you all about the shirt that i wore uh during my little work day in amsterdam um in the mid-roll but for now you can go to bit.ly slash spirits talus and use the code spirits at checkout for 15 percent off your order and they are worth every penny of these shirts they are absolutely gorgeous and super comfortable and we'll tell you all about about that later. Uh, also gorgeous, as you said earlier, Jules, our new patrons, Jenna, yeah. Joey, and Marina, as well as our supporting producer level patrons, Neil, Philip, Julie, Sarah, Christina, Josh, Eeyore, Maria, Cammie, Lindsay, Ryan, Shelby, Lynn, Mercedes, Phil, Catherine, and Deborah. Yeah, you guys are the best, and I don't remember any of the stories from this episode, so I can't tell you that you're like any of them, but we do know that you're the best. And, uh, and hanging out with you in your bestitude are our legend level patrons who are going to be getting some physical stuff from us. We're sending it out next week and we are so stoked this month. I am I really like the, uh, the items a lot. Um, so thank you to Sandra, Ashley Marie, Buggy, Leanne, Ashley, Shannon, and Cassie for your support. Y'all are the best. You are the mermaids who survived the winter and are looking forward to spring because same. Mm. Oh, me too. God, I can't wait. And speaking of spring, spring cleaning, it's a good time to make sure that all of the stuff in your house is stuff you really want around, to make sure that all of the things that you're spending money on are stuff that you really do want to be spending money on. And if you want to prioritize supporting creators and supporting the media that you love in this season, it is a really good time to pledge to our Patreon. Uh, at patreon.com slash spirits podcast, you can get recipe cards that Julia makes for every single episode. You have two custom drinks, an alcoholic one and a non-alcoholic one, as well as our uh, reflections and links and jokes where we write uh, through the episode. We have lots of bullets about just extra stuff for you to enjoy and jokes uh, at, at each other's expense or about each other's uh, lovely qualities as we listen back to what our uh, buzzed selves had to say during the episode. <laughs> you could also, if you join our Legend Level patrons, you can get a gift from us each month. Uh, gifts have included cool recipe books, um, awesome stuffed animals that reminded us of our cool patrons. Vintage pins from the USSR. So cool. Yeah, those are awesome. I loved those. And we have even more great stuff in store. We could not make the show. We wouldn't be making it weekly without the support of our patrons. And we have some very cool goals coming up, including an actual visit to actual Akron, Ohio, which now that it's becoming not winter, I am feeling less bad about uh, my problems. I'm, I'm to actually super do down that. to go not in winter <laughs> to Akron, Ohio. <laughs> they, uh, Cleveland has a really cool Irish festival every, I think, early Ooh. summer that uh, Eric Schneider and friend of the show Tim Tellup go to every year. And uh, I think that we would have a lot of fun there. I think that would be super fun. So help us go to Cleveland and to Akron and get spaghetti, 
uh, stuffed and and ghosts. Also whiskey drunk. Also yeah. ghosts, maybe. Who knows? We're going to jig Irish jig those ghosts away. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> oh, boy, I'm tired. Okay. Well, in the meantime, listeners, I hope you enjoy Spirits Podcast Episode 70, Your Urban Legends, Part 7. Do you want to start, Julie, since you made fun of me last time? Well, because you were just like, well, welcome to the episode. I'm like, that's never how we do it ever. Because I never start the episode. I know. I always start the episode. I don't just step up. Eric, you start the episode. Welcome to Spirits Podcast episode. (laughs) That's in the intro. All right. That's how we start the episode. No, that's how we start the intros. Which are the episodes. We're here, people. It's Hometown Urban Legend Week. Got in one. You read the title. You know what's happening. It's Hometown Urban Legend time. It is indeed. And Eric's here. He's always here. I sure am. He's always, he's always, his influence is always here. Him as a physical form is not always here. We fixed your mic though. Yay. Yay. We sure did. Don't know what happened, but I somehow recorded the Skype call and not my microphone. <laughs> so classic, sorry. Classic editor mistakes. People who don't make podcasts might be like, well, that sounds dumb. People, podcasts are hard. Podcasts are it's, hard. it's crazy because we recorded one episode with this new mic that I have without a single problem. I changed no settings and somehow messed it up for both Spirits and Waystation. But now we're back and it's good. Yay. Hopefully, unless it isn't and I <laughs> messed it up again somehow even though I tested it a bunch of times. That would be You'll have to cut in with like your your shitty microphone and be like, this is editor Eric. I fucked up. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not any better. Can I start off with like kind of a long one? Let's do it. I'm yes. here. I got my I got my drink. I'm ready. Sweet. So this is an email from listener Dan. And Dan says, hey, Spirits Gang, I had a couple of personal ghost stories I thought you might enjoy hearing. Not to get too deep into my family's history. We'll just fast forward to the present day. Thank you. Go, I appreciate go deep, that. Dan. Except not super deep in our email because we appreciate brevity. (laughs) I bought my grandparents' house last year, which greatly decreased my grandmother's stress uh, level for her remaining year of life. The house came with three ghosts. In parentheses, he goes, four now. (laughs) But only one or two are relevant to the tales. My sister and I are a little sensitive to the supernatural. Her a little bit more than me. We can sense when a spirit is active, can pinpoint where it's concentrated, and can sense the general mood oh shit he goes we're almost at the meat of the story but i wanted to give you the quick rundown of what i know about what's living in my basement which is horrifying dan 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 no are you okay dan there's one that lives in the back corner in a closet it's not a bad i don't thing. like that <laughs> it's there there's one like it just sounds i know it's a ghost but it sounds ominous when it's just there's one <laughs> of what though a ghost i know but oh. it still scares me because it It's not a bad thing, but not fully okay either. I refer to it as the grumpy one. That one can get angry, but has not done anything outwardly malicious. Dan, this sounds like what people say. Like, oh, she (laughs) thought it was the nice one before someone gets eaten. Yep. I have a decent rapport going with it. So it's become more tolerant over the last year. The second ghost not sure about it's definitely a separate presence and is often a little mischievous but there are no solid theories as to where it came from the third one we suspect to be our grandfather who passed away upstairs in his favorite chair he might be helping guard us from the grumpy one the new one we strongly suspect is our grandmother and if so her spirit wandered its way into my house from a nursing home in which she passed so that's what i live with on to the stories 
Dan. The first tale of the supernatural is a fairly short one. The ghosts don't come upstairs often, and when they do, they tend to just sort of hang out in the corner and observe. I'm sorry. Can we just pause for a second to think about ghost physics? Wouldn't ghosts float upward? Yes. Aren't they just like spectral puffs? Are, are we assuming that like the rule of like thermodynamics works here and heat rises? So I ghosts also rise, so they're hot? I guess but they're ghosts cold, are cold, though. I mean, if we're assuming the laws of thermodynamics hold, <laughs> then ghosts don't exist. <laughs> Shut up, Eric. Just like, right, right. I'm just, I'm, I, I'm, I'm just saying. Just saying. So usually this happens with the hanging out in the corner and observing. Usually this happens when I have people over. One night, however, I was by myself and decided to watch Ghostbusters 2. I put it into the DVD, and about 10 minutes into the movie, I felt a ghost come upstairs and sit down beside me on the couch <laughs> and seemed to be enjoying the flick. Once the movie ended, it went back downstairs. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Is there... I'm going to quickly jump ahead. Does he explain how he knew the ghost was enjoying it? <laughs> no, he doesn't. He he says earlier in the email that he gets like general vibes from the ghosts. Mm. Okay. So. Okay. Once the movie ended, it went back downstairs. This, of course, prompted me to text my dad to see if my grandfather had liked the first Ghostbusters movie. We're not sure he ever saw it, so there's no resolution to that one. Jesus. (laughs) The second story I think you'll enjoy, and the main reason I wanted to send it your way. I have a few old school video game consoles hooked up in the basement. Sometimes I even have invisible company while I play them. There was one fateful night when I was playing my NES after dinner. I had my iPad with me and it was turned and it was tuned into a YouTube channel that was following two guys talking over bad video game videos. Nice. I had one of their playlists running in the background. At some point, I felt a ghost snap into presence across the room to my left. The spirit felt pretty darn angry, but also did not feel like the grumpy one, so I wasn't sure what was happening. I started talking to it, which usually calms them down, but to no success. I felt it cross the room so that it was right beside me and goosebumps broke out across my arm and I had the feeling it was trying to push me from the couch. I had no idea at the time what set it off, but I knew it wanted me out of the basement. I I tried reasoning with it, but eventually gave up and went upstairs. A few weeks went by with nothing like that happening. I was still down there gaming or playing pool with videos and music playing, but everything was calm. Until one day when I was again on the couch with my iPad playing videos. It was the same YouTube channel, and even though I was watching a different playlist, it shared a few videos with the ones from weeks prior. Did this ghost not like that YouTube channel? Once again, I felt the ghost angrily arrive to my left. I said hello, but before I could say anything else, I suddenly realized it was the same exact video that had been playing last time this happened. Keeping one eye to where I felt the presence, I tapped the button to skip to the next video. The ghost immediately calmed down, and I instantly gained a lot of respect for it. I'm sure you're wondering what sort of YouTube video could anger a ghost. We were. Thank you. Thank you. The video featured, as usual, two people talking over another video. The source of the movie in question was a pretty abysmal let's play of a Pokemon game. The guy playing the game seemed to hate everything about it, but his reactions to the battles are what made it stand out. He kept battling the same type Pokemon and would hurl the same insult at their way, which happened to be the F word often used with a hateful slur towards not heterosexual people the commentators were doing a brilliant job uh, of ripping him apart and it's oddly entertaining video to watch but only due to the commentary so the only conclusion i was able to draw from that is that one of my ghosts has no patience for homophobia (laughs) 
I love it. <laughs> this is backed up by any time I tell this story in the house and drop the F-bomb, the ghost will poke its head into the room and seem annoyed. After I reassure it that I'm just telling an amazing story and didn't mean anything hateful, it goes back to whatever it's been doing. And that's the end now, of the Now, when email. the ghost pokes its head into the room, is it like from around the corner or like, like through a wall? <laughs> Probably through a wall. Because that's an important Or like detail. snapping into existence. Yeah. Which I, I like that description as yeah. snapping into existence. Like all of a sudden it's like, hey, yo, what's up? I'm a ghost. What are you doing? Stop listening to that video. I don't know why that ghost is from Brooklyn. <laughs> you guys know about the haunted Pokemon game, Pokemon Black, right? No. No. You oh. mean like missing no or something? No, there's there's a haunted Pokemon game. Is that there? All the music is from Lavender Town and all the Pokemon are ghosts. Oh shit, that's kind of cool. I'm that into it. Cool. We should do an episode. We should do an episode on like creepy pasta stories. Yeah, yes. we really should. We should. That's awesome though. I thought for sure you were going to say Julia that the um the Pokemon that this player was uh, going up against again and again was ghost was, type Pokemon. Yes, that's what I thought too. I know, like, <laughs> hey, no violence against ghosts, but also no violence against gay people. So yeah, thank you. I appreciate both of those things. I love it. Our next email is from Juliana, who writes to us about La Petasola from Colombia. Juliana is a storyteller from Colombia who loves our show. Thank you. Um, just listen to the Dear Woman episode where we mentioned La Petasola. And Juliana was very excited to hear a mention of Colombian legend in the podcast. Um, and wanted to share some more about this story. So some versions say that La Patasola was a beautiful, unfaithful woman. And her husband, in a fit of jealous rage, cut off her leg and set fire to her house. And since then, she wanders the mountains devouring men. Same. However, another possibly more accurate version is that she was a beautiful woman who, because of poverty, was driven to prostitution, which we Ooh, spoke about in the yeah. episode. When a new priest came to town, he led a witch hunt against her. And the very men that would sleep with her judged her and condemned her to death. Yo, that's fucked up. Which, if there's yeah. a better anecdote about heteropatriarchy, you know, show it to me, please. <laughs> uh, she begged them for mercy, but they cut off her leg as punishment and threw it into a bonfire made of corn husks. Why? Why the leg, though? She crawled off into the forest, bleeding, and then became an espanto, an evil spirit that haunts the living. Hatred boiled in her toward all men, same, especially devout Christians, and she vowed revenge. She will not harm women or animals, but when men go through the mountain, she will lure them deeper, deeper into the forests with cries for help. Hell yeah. Once they're lost and alone in the deepest part of the woods, she pounces on them, drinks their blood, and crunches their bones. So good. Crunch <laughs> those bones. I like that. La Parasola is the most feared of the Colombian spirits by men because she doesn't just scare you like most others do. She will actually kill you, and she's also indiscriminate in her choice of male good. victims. She hasn't been sighted in many years, and her story is quickly dying out, but just one or two generations ago, the campesinos, which are farmers, people from the countryside, would learn a very long and complex prayer to fend her off. But of course, when coming face to face with her, everyone forgets the prayer, because you're scared. Yeah. So the next best thing is to yell, axe, corn husks, fire, which will make her think <laughs> that you're going to cut off her other leg, and then you're fine. Axe, corn husks, uh, fire. Uh. I don't know if I like that, like... I mean, I guess self-preservation is key, but like, I don't, that's a bummer. That seems, for, yeah, for like her. you're terrorizing the spirit. That reminds me of the slit-mouthed woman story yeah. from Japan, where yeah. it's just yeah. like, she asks you a question, you're like, actually, uh, I'm, I'm late to meet actually, my I'm husband, fine. Goodbye. I'm sorry, bye. <laughs> Do you want some candy? Sorry, bye. What, what time is me? What Hard pass on this haunting, please. <laughs> 
<laughs> Julie, can we have more Japanese urban legends? Yeah, of course. God, I love them. We'll work on it. Uh, anyway, to finish up, um, so Juliana doesn't know of any versions where La Parasola punishes people for cutting down her trees. That's the Majomante, or Mother of the Mountain, another All fierce right. Colombian spirit who protects the wild places. Hell yeah. In her research into Colombian traditional tales, Juliana also discovered an intriguing trend. As far as she can tell, they're all about fear. And as a storyteller, uh, she writes, I wonder, were these stories told in order to say the things one could not say? To explain why bodies showed up in the rivers, to tell why fathers went into the mountains and never came back, to fathom why community leaders were found with the flesh stripped from their bones. Because it's no secret, she writes, that Colombia has been at war pretty much from the beginning. And the mountains and forests are dangerous places because that is where the fugitives are. But you can't say it was them because some of them could be listening. Perhaps it's just easier to tell yourself that these cuts were made by a creature's talon instead of a chainsaw. The old stories are being forgotten, and the parade of spirits that haunted the wild places are fading away. One is said to have drowned after they flooded his forest to create a dam. But some stories are still very much alive. Duendes in the countryside and witches in the cities, with many, or if not most, people of all backgrounds and educational levels believing in them today or having had some sort of personal experience with them. So Juliana, thanks us for bringing us stories. And, and thank you, Juliana, for bringing us yours. That's a great email. Yeah, that, that was, was super good. One. Yeah, for serious. I, I have no jokes to make about it because it was a damn good email. I know, but like that's what we say all the time, right? Is that, you know, stories help us explain what we can't explain in other ways. Mm-hmm. And especially to see stories evolving over the course of, um, you know, country and nation of people uh, and their, you know, life and ongoing conflict. Mm-hmm. I think it's pretty dope. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Eric, what do you got? I have a much more lighthearted email from Dan, hopefully a different Dan or the same Dan. If it's the same Dan, though, Dan, you got to give it a couple months before you send us a third. <laughs> this email is titled Jim the Ghost. Jim the Ghost. So much, much more lighthearted than our, than our first I two. I hope so. My first job out of high school was a stagehand at a local th- community Great theater. Start. That's why I picked yeah. it. Yeah, you know us too well. I've heard it said that every theater has a ghost. And ours was no exception. While the theater was being built, one of its founders passed away inside the unfinished building. In the years since, multiple people have reported hearing footsteps on the catwalk above the rigging when they knew they were the only person in the building. Hold on. I want to think about this for a second. Why do you think all theaters have ghosts? I don't know, because that's where we invoke spirits of the past and tell stories to each other. I was going to say because like the personalities of the folks who go into spirits, like... I oh, was going to say because the people are dramatic. Yes. Yeah, yeah. People are dramatic. Theater people in particular mm. are super dramatic. Those egos are very large. And as we've discussed, ghosts are basically just ego. Yeah, we have. I would say two things in addition. One is like in the same way that if you ever see a bar during the daytime with like all its lights on, it's horrifying. It's like seeing <laughs> a model without makeup, yeah. right? Where like you're used to seeing a person one way and then you see them under a completely different light and you're like, oh God, what? Um and that is what being in an empty theater feels like. Like it's it's built to hold tons of people with specific lighting and a different mood. And so to walk in there at like eight in the morning, you know, on a weekday or to be there at two in the morning um, doing work, like it's inherently kind of spooky. So I, I think that's kind of why we're predisposed to, you know, see things and hear things and to think that someone else is there. Um but also, like, we walk in there to tell stories and to, you know, make apparitions and to create illusions. So, to me, it's super rich for uh, for spirits. Yep, I agree. Since the building has a corrugated metal roof, it would be pretty easy to put this down to just the roof reacting to temperature changes. 
but my boss always said that Jim was keeping an eye on the place, and it was the responsibility of the last person to leave every night to say goodnight to Jim before closing and locking the stage door. You always have to be polite to your ghosts. Just just a rule of thumb. Give them some milk, give them some bread, be polite. And here's why you should be polite to Jim the ghost. Jim was a mostly helpful ghost. More than one co-worker lost a wrench or a stack of gels, only to find it carefully laid on the lip of the stage the following morning. Oh, my God. That was so sweet. But Jim also has a mischievous streak. When we were, When we hired my friend Jake, he was openly skeptical about our theater superstitions, including the existence of Jim the ghost. One night, he and I were closing the theater. My cell phone rang, so I handed the keys to Jake and went out onto the loading dock to take the call. I think we all know what's about to happen. Uh-oh. doesn't say goodbye to Jim the ghost. Uh-oh. Despite being focused on the phone call, I noticed that Jake didn't say goodnight to Jim before locking up. He then tossed me the keys and walked to his car. Just as he reached his car, he stopped, stiffened, then came running back to me. Apparently, he had just heard someone whisper, hello, <laughs> from right behind Damn him. Damn right. Not the most dramatic apparition in the world. I mean, that's unfair. He, this ghost lives in a theater. He's one of the most dramatic apparitions. One could argue. However, not the most dramatic apparition in the world, but Jake always said goodnight to Jim after that. Jake learned. <laughs> Love it. Jake learned that shit. Good for Jake. I know. We didn't have a ghost light in our theater um, in high school. No. Which is like a, a kind of single light bulb on like a rolling stand that you leave on the stage both for safety and for ghosts. So it's called the ghost light mm-hmm. to, uh, to to keep the spirits at bay. Also so that the first person to come in during the daytime doesn't trip as she's finding her way to the lights. I always love the image of that. And um, whenever I see one depicted in a play or, or on TV, I always get a little, you know, little feeling in my heart. It's a, it's a warming feeling. Like it that, is. that little light is there to help us all. Do you guys know about the one thing that definitely doesn't have a ghost? No. No. Because it has a phantom. Uh, of the opera. Amanda's just staring. She's like, how, how did she Amanda's how shaking did her head. Here? She's not appreciating the joke. <laughs> it wasn't good, so I understand. It's fair. <laughs> at, least you, at least you owned up to it being At least, at least you're self-aware. <laughs> so this is an email from Rachel. And Rachel says, I'm a newish listener, and I love your show. I learned so much already, and I'm excited to dive into your back catalog for more. Thank you, Rachel. We appreciate it. So she says, my family have a lot of lore and ghost stories about loved ones who have passed away, but I'll share one that actually happened to me. My parents and I moved to Bethlehem, Pennsylvania in 1987, and my grandfather built a tree house for me in the backyard there. Basically just a platform enclosed on three sides with a ladder and the fourth side open, about six or seven feet in the air. My grandfather passed away the following year when I was six. Some months after he died, I was up in the treehouse and was startled by a beetle flying at me, which same, been there before. She goes, I remember jerking away from it, stepping backwards off the ledge where the ladder was and understanding I was going to fall. I also remember standing in the grass at the bottom of the ladder with my mother, but I don't remember anything in between. As my mother tells it, she was looking out the kitchen window when I started to fall, then lost sight of me as she was running through the house to the yard. When she got there, she found me standing calmly and unhurt at the bottom of the ladder. When she asked me what happened, I told her, it's okay, Grandpa saved me. (gasps) Thanks for your fantastic podcast, Rachel. (laughs) That's pretty good. That's a pretty good one. That's pretty good. I'm into it. 
Oh man. I always like that the helpful I ghost like is just that kind too. of like Me too. You're fine. You're just you're you're good yeah, now. Yeah, your grandpa's not going to let you get hurt. Oh, it's so beautiful. And for kids too, like you know, it feels like they wouldn't lie for dramatic effect mm-hmm. and they wouldn't know how like provocative that sentence is like oh just grandpa just saved me you know like they yeah. uh, oh, i love it but also like little kids are the ones that like stare into corners and you're like what are you looking at they're like the wolf up there <laughs> <laughs> you're like what fucking wolf you weirdo Did- my entire office is is women and a lot of them have recently had oh, children God. and they're all a lot of their children are just getting to that age where they can like talk and like point to something no. and i was like i was like see that's that's the number one birth control as far as i'm concerned just like the sto- story about a creepy yep, kid i'm like no don't need that don't need that anytime soon in my life similarly today one of my colleagues uh who is pregnant was showing us a video where someone like uses a balloon to show like how the cervix like lengthens and expands during labor and we were just like no no wait wait where was this at work <laughs> why <laughs> it, it came up in conversation sure it did it did Anyway, I have an email next from um, Stefania, who I'm hoping I'm pronouncing this correctly, who sends us an email titled Hellhounds. Yes. So, of course, I clicked on it. Very good. So, um, Stefania tells this story specifically to her friends because it freaks them out, and everybody thinks that her family is cursed as a result. Sweet. Some backstory. This is something that happened to my grandfather, who immigrated from Portugal. He grew up in a very small village in northern Portugal called uh, Grassal, Gracal. I texted friend of the show, Catherine Addington, for pronunciation help, but she did not get back to me. Damn it, Catherine. So uh, here we are. We love you. Uh, Anyway, this village is nested in the mountains. Uh, I have a very few great aunts who still live there as nuns. (laughs) Dope. That area is separated by a pretty wide river that's rough to cross. So not a lot of people ventured over there because of how many boats capsized. There is a bridge built across, and it's still believed to be haunted by poltergeists and demons, since there's a road that, quote, drains electricity. Flashlights go out and phone batteries die. That sounds like aliens. Back in my grandfather's day, the village had no electricity because everybody believed it was a witchcraft. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Uh-huh. Uh, yep. Fair. I Take feel like fair. I would have been one of the people who was like, get that electricity demon out of my house. <laughs> really? I think so. I think I would be like, don't want any part of that. I, I would be into electricity. Probably. You would be like a steampunk. <laughs> I would be a ste- I would be Dr. Victor Frankenstein being just like galvanism. <laughs> but that makes sense because there was an actual witch in this village and she terrified Stefania's grandfather. The houses were small and cramped together and the roads were dirt paths. At the time there were only a few families that occupied the village so everybody knew everybody else. And one of my great aunts was already a nun at this time taking care of the small chapel in the village. At the outskirts of the village, there were some old ruins that people didn't approach because of all the stories of it being haunted. So now to the legend. The stories behind the ruins were that it was some sort of castle that belonged to a vampire or a demon. It kind of flip-flops between which one it was. Sure. After the owner's death, it was protected by, quote, hellhounds. Krakow <gasps> is right next to an area called Vilar de Lobos, Village of Wolves, which was known for wild dogs and Iberian wolves that would attack cattle and sheep. So they would be seen at night in Grakow. Uh, hellhounds should be known as heck puppers. All right. All right. I'll get behind it. I do like heck that. Heck puppers. That is very cute. Someone draw it. me. Like a little tiny, like a tiny like Pomeranian, but like it's on fire. <laughs> please someone draw, <laughs> please someone draw me that heck pupper. Okay. Ready? Hashtag heck pupper. 
There it is. Yep. Send us your version of a heck pupper. I need to know. I need it. I need it. It's P-U-P-P-E-R. Heck pupper. P-U-P-P-E-R. Yep. Love it. We're social media stars. (laughs) Anyway, back to- Even if you just have Microsoft Paint, as many as you can get to us, we'll take all of them. Oh, yeah. Like margin notes in your your, work or school books. Please. Anything. Love it. Draw it on your friend's jeans with a Sharpie. Remember people did that in middle school? Yeah, what the fuck is wrong with people? I don't know. People's parents must have hated that. Yeah. Back to Stefania's grandfather. So when he was about eight years old, his neighbors for around a week kept complaining of hearing something on their rooftop. At first, they thought they were rats. But after investigating, there was nothing there. No signs of rats at all. Bad choices. Then one day while they were sleeping, there was a loud thud, thud, thud. Never sleep when there's hell house. (laughs) Heck puppers. (laughs) There was a loud thud, thud, thud in the chimney that woke them all up. In the fireplace... A... It's Santa. <laughs> I was going to say, it's raccoons. Not Santa, it's a hellhound. In the fireplace, a burning hot rock rolled out. What the fuck? They just ignored it. No! <laughs> Why would you <laughs> Not the right reaction. Not the right reaction at all. It happened... It's oh my God, now fun. I want a, a, a drawing of a heck pupper like cuddled up next to a coal, you know? Oh just God, like keeping so warm. Wrong. Oh my God. So... Yeah, as, as like they're chew toys. Yeah, oh! Oh, shit that's so cute anyway this thud 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 and the burning hot rock happened again the next night and the next night so these people went across the street to stefania's grandfather's house and explained that they believed there was a poltergeist inside their house one of the sons of that neighbor family who was a bit older than my grandfather shared the bed with him in the middle of the night my grandfather felt something get on the bed when he was trying to get up to see what it was, the other boy grabbed him and told him not to move. They both went very still, as whatever was on the bed moved closer, and the way it moved made it feel like a dog or a cat had gotten on the bed. A few seconds later, it moved and seemed to get off the bed, but they didn't hear anything hit the floor. Then it was gone. That morning, the boy didn't mention anything to my grandfather. But other people in the house had experienced something weird during the night, so they decided to sleep in the living room. So the next night, when everybody slept by the fireplace, there was a thud, thud, thud. God and a hot rock it. rolled out. Everybody woke up to the sound, and my grandfather's father reached out to grab it, but burned his hand. Burning what hot rock. The? It's a hot rock. Well, not an illusion. Sense. Not an illusion. Then another rock rolled down the chimney, and another one, all burning hot. They all heard something like quick footsteps on top of the roof, and so they all ran outside to see what the heck is happening. God damn it. You're all bad at this. My grandfather says that when they looked up, there was nothing on the roof. But on top of the hill just behind the house, staring at them, was a black wolf with red eyes. The heck pupper. They all immediately ran to the chapel and slept there. Smart idea. Smart move. In the morning. Best decision so far. In the morning, they had the priest go and bless both their houses. And the other family went to get some sort of charm with the village witch to ward evil from their house. My grandfather's family didn't trust the witch, so they never <laughs> went to her to seek counsel. After the blessings, the hot rocks in the chimneys never happened again. There are other ghosts and demon stories that my grandfather experienced growing up before immigrating to America when he was 17. And Stefania's great aunts, who are nuns, experienced strange things as well while working in the chapel. Her dad and aunt even experienced weird things when he went to visit the village in Portugal the couple of times that he went when he was little. Oh. And uh, Stefania says, hope you enjoyed this tale. Well, it sounds like your family is fundamentally cursed, and I love it, and I want to hear about every single weird thing that's happened to you, please. Bad yes, choices please. all together. I like their just their just determination to like be like this 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 too will pass. This must be fine. fine. <laughs> 
Heck puffer. Love it. Heck puffer. So, Julia, like I said in the intro, I spent the last couple of weeks traveling. Yes, yes, you did. I went to Brussels and Amsterdam. Uh, First, it was for a vacation and then also for a work trip. And when I'm away from home, I do like to bring little slices of home with me. I brought uh, my, uh, my... My ploey. I brought my tiny pillow. Of course you did. (laughs) I brought my own shampoo so that I smell like home. And I also brought a shirt from Talus, which is our sponsor this week. And Talus introduces clothing for psychic protection. So it's run by this dope designer based in Los Angeles. Um, And every garment is like a beautiful cotton uh, shirt. There's short sleeve, there's long sleeve, there's like colors, there's neutrals, black and white, and and like this cool blue color. Um, But everything that they have on it is for uh, like psychic protection and divination and tarot stuff that just makes you feel a little bit more like protected. And frankly, I don't, it doesn't matter to me whether or not those effects are like quote unquote true, but having a thing that makes me feel a little bit stronger, whether it's like a a saint medal or a shirt with a very cool diagram of Jupiter on it, you know, or just like my favorite hairband, it's a little something to help me get through what could otherwise be a stressful time. Yeah. It's always nice to feel like you have someone watching over you, whether it's St. Anthony or if it's like the goddess of the moon or Mercury, like you have, like these shirts kind of give you that extra push that, you know, someone's got your back. You could do this. Whatever you're doing today, you got this. Yeah, I, I really, really enjoy it. And I love that we match a little bit, even though our shirts are different colors. Mm-hmm. Um, and as always, there's like a historical, um, you know, bend to the things that we love. Um, and in this case, the designer behind Talus took actual notes and handwriting samples from a medium, spirit medium from the 1800s. Uh, and he had taken notes. He wrote down like names like Caesar and Augustus. He wrote symbols and drawings and scribbles. Um, and she kind of sampled all of that stuff to put onto the clothing. So there's a really cool like actual historical tradition behind that as well. Yeah, and if you actually go to our Instagram today, I'll be posting a picture of my shirt, which is really cool because it's a long sleeve shirt. And there's these beautiful symbols, which are ancient Greek, Latin, and Hebrew talismans for protection, luck, and good memory. And it's super, super cool. It's like one of my favorite things. I like don't want to wear it to the gym because I know I'll like ruin it, but I just, I love wearing it and it makes me feel powerful and like safe and I love it so much. I know. I I really, really love when we're able to share stuff with our listeners that we genuinely love so much. Mm -hmm. And this is one of them. So if you head over to bit.ly slash spirits talus, the link is also in the description of this podcast and use the code spirits at checkout, you'll get 15% off your order at talus. And like I said in the intro, these shirts are worth every penny. They are so comfortable. They're stylish. They, They would be up anyone's alley. I'm really excited. I just ordered this like moto sleeveless leather vest and I'm going <laughs> to rock the shit out of my Talos shirt with the vest on top. It's going to be awesome. Oh my gosh. I love my long sleeve shirt, but I'm going to order, I think one or two short sleeve ones for the summer. Nice. And uh, the blue color is the same blue as my tattoo. And I can't wait to show it off. It's going to look great. Awesome. Well, thank you so much to Talus for sponsoring this episode of Spirits. And again, y'all, that's bit.ly slash spiritstalus, and the code is spirits for 15% off. Now, back to the show. Eric, what do you got? I've got an email from Emily, and it's titled, Fire, the Mafia, and More. Nice. Emily writes, I have a few stories about the college I went to. Good. I went to a small community college in Oregon that was founded sometime in the 70s. It is surrounded by a huge lake and forest. 
Years ago, a woman named Anne was working on a project at night in the welding yard. Uh-oh. Going against Uh-oh. all yeah, it's, yeah so we've got a we've got a little bit of a theme between Amanda's Whoops. email and mine. Oops. Uh, bad decisions altogether, y'all. <laughs> Just stop. Going against all the rules, she was not wearing any protective clothes and, and was alone. They said burn your bras, not your leather welding aprons. Come on. <laughs> Her clothes caught fire. And she ran inside the art room searching for help. She burned to death. Yep. Just, I mean, just very, I mean very like, hey, there it is. It's not yep. wrong. Now, at times, the art room will become unexplainably hot and a woman's voice can be heard. I spent a night with a ghost hunting group in, in the room one time. A man that was with us pulled out a lighter, letting it burn in front Why? of Why? No. Why would you do that? No. Be like, ha ha, ghost, look, fire. You deserve everything that happens if to you. If he doesn't burn point. to death, I'll be very disappointed. Mm-hmm. I mean, to to be fair, in our first in our first myth, the whole way to get rid of the ghost was to mock the way the ghost was killed. So like this this tracks in terms of ghost prevention, That's, okay. possibly. That's fair. all right, all right. Someone blew it out in front of my eyes, not just extinguished naturally, though no one was around and there was no breeze. So that's that's story one. Okay. Ooh, fairly creepy. Also, the lake near us has been cause for the death of multiple people, including a small child. When the mafia was active in the town in the seventies, I like the idea of the Oregon mafia. I love it so much. Like I'm, I'm not a hundred percent convinced that the mafia was super active in Oregon even in the seventies. It doesn't seem like. Like were they were they like trafficking in fur trapping? Or like maple syrup? In the syrup? 1970s? I thought I'm asking. Like, I don't know. I'm sorry, Oregon. But like, what is your industry besides tourism? Is that water industry? Vampires? Mills? Logging? I'm trying to think of like rustic things. I'm picturing all the mafia men with like plaid ties at their grandma's houses. Like Streganona eating pasta. Ah. I do like that. It's very Thank good. you. When the mafia was active in the town in the 70s, it is said that they would take people to the woods near the lake, kill them... And dump them in the water. That's, yes, that's what the mafia does. Classic. <laughs> Needless to say, the woods are very spooky at night. My friends and I walk the lake path many times in the dead of night. I mean, you're just asking for trouble Listen, doing that. Not a good Don't, plan. You know, Emily, you know what you did. Emily, <laughs> Emily, your life is valued. Just do it at just do it at dusk. Why the dead of night? Do it early morning. You can get a bit of spooky feel at the at at dusk. An early dawn, morning even. woods walk. With your Oregon friends and your Oregon dogs and your Oregon coffee, just with like the light only increasing as you go, that would be great. That's the way to do it, not the dead of night. Extra footsteps, strange noises, and even laughter could be heard. If you watch the woods across the lake at night from the dorms, you could see shadows darting through the trees. Security guards I knew very well would tell me of voices, footsteps, and doors closing when they were alone walking the grounds of the buildings. Other students have many stories about strange events in the, in their dorms as well. While a small place, it has many tragic stories and a very strange amount of unexplainable happenings. Ooh. That it does. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of security guards on their coffee break just like comparing <laughs> stories shit. with each other. Yeah. Or comparing like, oh man, I forget. You know that kid with like the, the like plaid that comes in every morning and like looks asleep? Oh my God, I scared him so much. Can I share one more? Sure. All right. My hometown urban legend, satanic cults, chemical weapons, cannibalism, and World War II. 
Will, you overachiever. <laughs> Just too be, much. Too many things. down. Come on. I know. I thought Mafia and Fire were great, but let's uh, let's see what Will has to offer. All right. So Will says, I live in Anniston, Alabama. It's a pretty small city with a decent-sized economy, but back in the day, Anniston was bustling. Fort McClellan was a very large U.S. Army installation. It trained about half a million troops during World War II. The fort, as locals call it, was a major boon for our local economy in nearly 80 years. However, it has a very dark past. A little under 3,000 POWs were held at Fort McClellan, and it is the final resting place of 26 German and three Italian prisoners who died in captivity. Allegedly, if you are out on the fort in the early morning, you can hear them screaming in pain. In the 19th... So what we said last email about early morning being a better time... Apparently not. Maybe not always the the right advice. Maybe it's high noon on the summer solstice. (laughs) Maybe that's the only time you're allowed to walk through any creepy grounds. That feels like the fae summer court is going to steal me away. (sighs) All right. Um, In the 1950s, Fort McClellan became the training center for the chemical corps. These men were well-versed in the use and destruction of deadly chemical weapons. In secret, the government tested chemical weapons decontamination methods on soldiers using deadly nerve agents and mustard gas. It was called Operation Top Hat. I am friends with older men who say that part of their training, they had to practice recovering their masks in mustard gas leaks. He says that mustard gas basically causes you to go into anaphylactic shock. So they were given, uh, so they were giving epipens that they had to inject into their own thighs. Jesus. As the years went on, Fort McClellan fell out of use, and much of it was abandoned. The incineration of chemical weapons was carried out on the fort, and I remember a special device being installed at my elementary school in case of a chemical leak at the incinerator. Every second Tuesday of the month, the government had to test sirens that would warn of a leak. Every now and then, the radio would bloop and blare, and a serious-sounding man would say, This is... (laughs) Sorry, I won't do this right. And a serious man would say, This is a test of the emergency alert system. I always thought a leak had happened and everyone was going to die. Are you sure you're not living in an audio drama? (laughs) It does kind of sound like that, doesn't it? Jesus. There's an abandoned apartment complex on the fort that I've rode by on several occasions. It's slightly hard to find, but it's worth looking at. The apartments were put up, but no one ever moved into them. I've heard stories that the water is too toxic or that they were built over unexploded audiences. I've also heard that drug addicts and hookers sleep there at night. Sex workers. Sure. But yeah. Um, there is a small community nearby of fairly well, uh, well-to-do people who have had pets go missing. A six-year-old girl went missing a few years ago after the apartments were put up and she was never found. Now that we've covered Operation Top Hat and the government testing chemical weapons on civilians and soldiers and kids and animals disappearing, we can get into some weird shit. Okay, okay. Wait, now we can now get, we can get the into the weird shit? shit. <laughs> What have we been in up to <laughs> This now? is the background information. This is the exposition. Like I said, the fort closed down and fell out of use by the military. When the fort closed, soldiers and their families went elsewhere and the economy tanked. In 
Many buildings were just left to fall in disrepair. The dilapidated buildings quickly became a popular destination for high schoolers and urban explorers. I mean, yeah. In the 80s, word started getting around that a satanic cult was using part of the fort called the barracks for animal sacrifices and dark rituals. Okay, guys. So reasons that we what we miss not having grown up in the 80s. Okay. so Satanic like, cults. One is satanic cults, obviously. Yeah. Two is leg warmers. Yeah. Three is uh, cultural references, a la like Judd Apatow situation. Okay. And four is buying stock in Google. Yes. Anyone else have items to add to the list? I think you covered most of them. I would have liked to watch the original run of Transformers when it was when That's it very important. Very important. I understand. Okay. Glad we agree. It is also said that this is part of the fort where the chemical weapons were tested on POWs. According to one of my friends, him and a few buddies broke into the barracks one night to explore. At first, they didn't find much, just rows and rows of bunks where soldiers would have slept. However, as they were leaving, they came across a row of rusty old cages and strange things like candles, knives, and animal skeletons. Mm. My friend says that it was... (laughs) Nope. All right. We we can just stop there if you want. (laughs) Yeah, let's no, do it. Okay, no. Amanda, what's no. your story? I'm I need to know. done with this no, one. I need to know. My friend says that it was dark that night, and they were using their flashlights to re- look around. One of his friend's lights passed over a wall, and he yelled out in fear. Written on the wall in rusty brown was a chilling phrase that haunts me to this day. Julia, I want you to think very carefully <laughs> about whether or not Eric and I need to know this phrase. I'm I'm not joking. I was oh, thinking to myself, I whatever the fr- whatever this buildup is going to, I'm going to jokingly get up from my chair and walk away. <laughs> now I might do it just for real. Julia, I want you to really think about this. <laughs> it's really good though. Look into your heart and say, "Is it worth it? Is it worth it?" In big Amanda, fa- Amanda, put turn the webcam so I can look at Julia so she can see so she can see. So you can see the fear in my eyes as this happens. I'm going to look directly at you and tell you this story. Okay, here we go. Here we go. In big, dripping letters were the words, she was eight before she was seven. Eight as in A-T-E. Eight. Julia, I don't want to know that! I don't want to know that! Whether whether it was blood or graffiti, they skedaddled out of there fast as they could. I'm not sure if there ever really were satanic cults who had clandestine meetings in abandoned buildings at the fort, but when I drive by it, I avoid the barracks in the POW cemetery. This was a grieving, a, a, a grievous error in judgment. Um, some people. When you said that, when you said that, I had the opposite of whatever ASMR is. <laughs> whatever the opposite of that is, I had cool. that. Uh, the last paragraph. Some people say that you can hear people screaming in pain from chemical weapon tests. Others will tell you it's just coyotes. The bodies of two-headed fish and deer with extra eyes have been found in rivers or by the f- road on the fort. If if for some reason you find yourself in Anniston, don't get lost in Fort McClellan. You are guaranteed to run into something you wish to have never seen. The place has a very strange history. That's so fucking good. <laughs> I'm so happy. I'm scarred for life. Yep, you're welcome. I don't like that. Don't like that at all. It's like a bad seven, eight, nine joke. No, it was eight, as in they like. They no, ate, I know, but they ate the, know. and like it was seven, a six eight, year old that went missing. Julia, I know. Right. Okay. right, like why was six afraid of seven? Because because a six year old went missing. It was probably murdered. and got eaten by a satanic cult. Apparently, Jesus. 
I'm glad that it was written in in rust and not like blood. No, the the implication is it's supposed to be dry blood. Okay, never mind. I, nope. I take back the one thing that made me have comfort in There's this story. There's nothing comforting in here, Eric. Uh, well, I can't let us in on that. So <laughs> oh, God damn it. <laughs> I am going to share one more actually heartwarming story um, from Mark. You always have to end on the heartwarming. God damn it, Amanda. Because my heart is warm, Jules, not an icy void. Are you saying my heart is an icy <laughs> void, Amanda? <laughs> that is what my sentence implied. Damn. All right. <laughs> Maybe you're the one with the icy void of a heart after saying that. Probably. Know? Probably. <laughs> Sorry, besties. All right. Warm so, my cold, cold heart. So Mark writes us, subject line, we're here about the demon. <laughs> okay. Cool. Spirits team. We're here about the demon. Yep. Sweet. Sold. So Mark says, now that urban legends have become a regular segment of the podcast, I felt inspired to write and share something a little unique from my life that you might all like. While perhaps not an urban legend in the strictest sense, this is nevertheless the story of the time I helped perform an exorcism. I hope you enjoy it. (laughs) Is it an accidental exorcism? It's an actual exorcism. Okay. So Mark's high school curriculum required a certain amount of career shadowing. He spent a week with a Catholic priest. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, no. I broke her. <laughs> You're right, babe. I just I'm know exactly by... where this story is going to go. It made me laugh. <laughs> Career shadowing. I had to do an exorcism. <laughs> My bad. See, this is why we need separation of church and state. So high schoolers <laughs> don't get roped in to doing exorcisms for their junior year credits. Yeah. How do you imp- impose like a quarterly rubric on that? I don't know. So Mark spent a week with the Catholic priest, following him through his community, meeting with people that he served, and doing most of the driving while the priest recovered from a broken leg. I learned that much of his daily routine involved responding to the needs of parishioners and doing anything he could to help them work through whatever problems they faced in their lives. Usually, these were familiar sad stories of families hurt by poverty, crime, illness, or the many other human evils persistent in society. Usually. On the morning of the third day, which sounds like a fucking biblical verse, Mark. It does. Thanks for that. <laughs> it really does. On the third day. I mean, he learned something from this career. He shadow. did. He did. And it's an effective, you know, method of speech. Excellent yeah. So on the morning of the third day, we set out to pay a visit to one of his parishioners. Was the third day like fish creatures? Water creatures? What was the third day? Oh, I'm thinking on the third day he rose again. Oh, shit. Yeah. No, that's right. You know, for the Jesus. Yeah, the, when the fish creature rose again. <laughs> the fish creature rose Listen, again. Eric, that was a 2018 Best Picture winner. That is true. Oh, yeah. I can't mock it. Well, I liked in one of our episodes that came out the week after um, the week after the uh, Oscars did, we mentioned like, oh, what was that movie called with the fish man? And I'm like, the shape of, the shape of water? And you're like, yeah, that one. <laughs> <laughs> we predicted it. Yeah. So... Mark and the priest, out to pay a visit to one of his parishioners. Of course. He told me that they were having some problems, but we should be able to get it sorted out fairly quickly without much trouble. Julia's shaking her head and No, you won't. And groaning. You won't do it. When we arrived at the house, he went around to the trunk and pulled out various pieces of equipment and handed them to me. It was only then that he told me what we had come here to do. The father of the family answered the priest's knock with a somewhat perplexed look on his face, as if he had no idea why a priest would be knocking on his door. We're, we're here ab- about the demon the priest offered (laughs) 
At these words, the man lit up with recognition and ushered us inside. Oh, no. I had somewhat expected that under the circumstances, a person wouldn't need to be reminded that the infernal presence plaguing their home. Yeah, you would think. But this was my first haunting and I wanted to impress. Oh, Mark, I bet you're an overachiever. Mark, you seem nice. Yeah, I like I like him. Between loud outbursts of prayer, the father explained the nature of their haunting. He told the priest that he had been seeing strangely demonic shadows dance across the walls at night. And the mother added that she could very strongly sense some kind of infernal presence that made her feel unsafe in her home. The father continued that they weren't sure what was going on, but it became clear that it was some form of hell spawn when he awoke one morning and couldn't find a credit card left out on the counter the night before. That's your child. Sorry. (laughs) On this evidence, there was no doubt. A missing credit card could only mean the work of an evil spirit. (laughs) The priest nodded reassuringly to the family and calmly told them that he knew exactly what to do. He had... But is this like a diva that hates <laughs> capitalism? Fuck like, capitalism. What's... It's either that or like a Marxist punk anarchist kid or like a thief. I or don't know. Both. Or like a cat. <laughs> you know. You know. The three options. So uh, the priest had Mark draw some water from the bathroom sink uh, and the priest blessed it, then sprinkled it around the room with his aspergillium, which is the small mace-like instrument used to flick holy water over things and people that the altar boys carry. There's your SAT word of the day. I know, you're welcome. While reading incantations from a small leather tome, commanding the demon to leave the family alone. It didn't take long, but at least to the family, it was particularly effective. They said they could feel the presence gone and were (laughs) extremely grateful that they could put this dark chapter of their lives behind them. We didn't stay long. It turns out there really isn't all that much to talk about after you perform a successful exorcism. All in all, I would say it took about 20 minutes. So Mark spent the rest of the day talking to the priest about the experience in what grew into a really beautiful conversation. He told me that he really didn't believe that they had actually been haunted by a demon. It was almost certain that they had simply misplaced the credit card and jumped to conclusions. But he also explained to me the necessity of accepting the full presumptive validity of other people's experiences, especially when that experience is very different from yours or even seems strange. In his line of work, he had to coexist with all kinds of different people and wildly different backgrounds, beliefs, and cultures, but he was usually able to make it work by embracing that diversity while still finding the common ground that could bring people together. And that is something that I've tried to carry with me from the experience. That's adorable. Right? A heartwarming exorcism. Never a thing I thought I would experience. Nope. Pretty sweet, though. That, that, That does have a much more heartwarming ending than you would expect from an exorcism story. That's I, what we strive I, to bring you here. I will Spirits admit podcast. it was a good ending, even Thank though you. mine was better. <laughs> and Julia, if somebody called you about a demon, what would you advise them? I would tell them to make friends with that demon and also just stay creepy and stay cool. Spirits was created by Amanda McLaughlin, Julia Shafini, and Eric Schneider with music by Kevin McLeod and visual design by Allison Wakeman. Keep up with all things creepy and cool by following us on Twitter, Tumblr, Facebook, and Instagram at Spirits Podcast. We also have all our episodes, collaborations, and guest appearances, plus merch on our website, spiritspodcast.com. Come on over to our Patreon page, patreon.com slash spiritspodcast for all kinds of behind the scenes stuff. Throw us as little as $1 and get access to audio extras, recipe cards, director's commentaries, and patron-only live streams. And hey, if you like the show, please share us with your friends. That is the best way to help us keep on growing. Thank you so much for listening. Till next time.